Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you so much for joining us again today. And I've got a treat for you today. One of the neatest guys that you will see on LinkedIn and, and other social media platforms is Chris Von Heuen. Chris goes by CBH. So if you hear me say, hey, CBH, that you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But he is a, a sales trainer, a sales leader. Um, he's doing some mentoring and coaching. But today he's on the Intentional Encourager podcast to spread some encouragement out there. CBH, how you doing today, brother? Man, I'm good. And I just appreciate the warm, heartfelt intro over here. Now I got to live up to it for your audience. So let's hope I can deliver today. <laughs> no, it, it's all good. I, one thing that, that I love about you, and you, you and I have followed each other and, and interacted in, in, in different places for a couple of years now, is you, you're a guy that really likes to think outside the box. You're a guy that really likes to, to do things in a different way. What, is, what are you doing now during this time that we're recording in the midst of COVID-19? What are you doing now to, to continue to further that thinking and, and that continuing to do things outside the box mentality? Yeah, so it's a couple of things. So first off, um, I'm doing a, a crazy mental challenge called the Live Hard program. And I know we've talked about it a few times, but real brief, it's a variety of simple exercises you do every day and that pushes you because of time commitments and other things like that and spreading yourself too thin so then it really forces me to say is this really adding value right now because we add a lot of fluff to our schedules like we, we're, we're busy right we're working all the time but you're not really making progress and that program's helped me gain a lot of mental clarity on am i actually making progress or am i just feeling good and i think the second piece is I'm really looking at uh, the rules that I've given myself and questioning why they're in place, such as um, you need to go have a particular career path or you need to have X amount of time in a role. You know, a lot of these kind of bigger rules that we've just adopted over time, I'm really slowing down and questioning, like, why am I defining my happiness based off of the amount of money I make and the career progression that I have? Like, I think there's more to life than just those two things. And that's where my head's been for the last couple months. I think people get to that point, Chris, and, and they say to themselves, you know, money can give me X or money can do Y for me. Or if I make more money, I'll have Z. When yeah. you think about what, and I love what you said there, when you think about what you internally had to process there, was there a point that you said, I'm willing to give up this or I'm willing to give up some money? to go here with my life. Where, where does that internal struggle a lot of times tend to lead people in your opinion in that way? Yeah. I mean, like I, I gave up a lot of money to get into sales initially. Like I was making a lot more in finance. Let's be frank. Like I took a $25,000, you know, salary hit just switching careers. And so like, there's a perfect example there. Like I wanted to do something that was truly aligned with me versus doing something for the money. Because what I realized is money is a means to an end. It's an enabler. It enables me to live my lifestyle, to travel, to do whatever. But money in of itself is just an enabler. And I think that's where we mess up on our goals. We look at money as like the end result. 
once I have 10,000 in the bank or once I make this much money, I'm just going to be happy. And like, believe me, man, like I just paid off the biggest chunk of my debt and I don't feel all that different to be mm -hmm. very frank. Like I was actually let down by how I felt by paying off that much debt. Cause for six years I've been tying and once I get this debt, I'm going to be free. It's like, no, it's once I get that debt, it enables me to go travel. It enables me to go be riskier, but the debt in of itself is just part of the journey. So I think that's where a lot of people get stuck is we, we look at uh, bumps in the road as the end goal when it's just a part of the journey. Yeah. And, and Chris, that's the thing is a lot of people think that that debt and the, the accumulation of stuff is going to get them where they want to be or get them to where they feel like, okay, if I have the car in the driveway, if I have the house on the hill, if I have the swimming pool in the backyard, if I have all these things that debt can get me, I'm going to be living my quote unquote best life. That's not necessarily the case. And I love what you said there about the struggle and even paying off the debt because yeah, you, you hear a guy like Dave Ramsey or somebody like that say, Oh yeah, you're going to be, you know, I'm debt free and things like that. But you still in the back of your mind, you go, yeah, but I had to work and, and bust my tail to get to that point to pay this stuff off. Yeah. And I think that's, here's the thing. I know people that are millionaires and they're not happy, right? I mean, they got everything they could possibly want. The Mercedes AMG, the freaking crazy high rise, the lifestyle, the clubs, the bottles, you name it. I've seen that lifestyle. Some of the most unhappy people possible. So yeah. I can literally tell you from fact, money does not equate happiness. And here's like, here's what I'm focused on. It's purpose. Purpose irrespective of the dollar value in your bank account will make you happy. And if you haven't traveled into a third world country, you see it firsthand. Like when you see kids, they're just happy playing with a stick. Like they got nothing else, but those are the happiest kids in the world right now because they got a stick and they're having fun with it. And you're like, okay, that's what I'm trying to find. That's what I want to bottle up. That's what I'm going to double down on. And yes, if there's nothing wrong with wanting money, there's nothing wrong with wanting the nicer lifestyle, but don't assume that just because you consume materialistic things that you're going to be happy because in fact, it's going to make you want more. So once yeah. you get the car, get the house, you want the bigger house, the bigger boat. Now you want a yacht. Now you want a private jet. It never stops versus a passion. That's something that you can double down on. That's something that's like that unshakable well that never dries up. So that's what I think people should be focusing on instead. Well, and I'll tell you this, and I put, the, I, I was just editing the chapter in my book where I talk about that, and I said, we have a lot of first world problems in our country. You know, I, I went out over the weekend and got a, a new cell phone, you know, and most people would go, well, man, this, you know, in other countries, to your point, the kids are playing with sticks, and our kids complain that the internet's too slow, and they're, the, 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 the online gaming or they, or they want, you know, when Black Friday comes out in a couple of months, they're going to go, man, I got to have this new PS4 game or, or this new console or, or whatever it is, man. Sometimes we don't think about the other things that people go through. I would have never dreamed that in my state of West Virginia that getting a webcam would be almost as, as hard to get as toilet paper, you know, but Again, this is what we're dealing with, and I say dealing with in air quotes, right. with this pandemic, because 
we really don't have to deal with a lot of the things that people have to deal with just to survive on a day-to-day -day basis. I want to park on what you said about the knowing people that are millionaires that are not happy. Uh -huh. What do you think continues to drive those people that aren't happy to continue to, because at some point I would think there'd have to be a jumping off point. Like, man, if this is all there is, and I'm not happy, why would I pursue more things that don't make me happy? I want you to go a little deeper there and, and, and kind of fill in that gap a little bit more, take our audience a little bit further with that thought. You know, honestly, like I remember there was one particular night, it was, this is when I used to party back in the day. So out till three, four o'clock in the morning and we're at someone's high rise. And I'm talking to this guy that's a little millionaire. I mean, his, his uh, commuter car is a freaking AMG, you know, Mercedes Benz. And that's what he calls a commuter car. And we were talking um, in, in the morning and it really comes down to, I think, fear and insecurities. And what I mean by that is they have, they've built up this image of themselves. That's what they've defined themselves as. So if they give that up, then it's like, well, now what? Where are we going? What's happening? How am I going to you know, create my new identity. Mm -hmm. So I think part of it is like you invested so much time, money and effort into it that you're just afraid to challenge that status quo that you built. There's insecurities that people won't like you anymore. And what I'll say is they probably weren't real friends anyways. Um, and lastly, they may not just be self-aware, right? I mean, this takes a level of intuition, sitting with yourself and being very honest. And to be frank, most of us don't do a good job of that. We're afraid of these honest conversations, so we cover it up with materialistic things and goals that never fulfill us, but yet we keep chasing it, hoping someday something's going to magically flip and we'll all of a sudden be fulfilled. Well, and, and Chris, that's the thing, too, is a lot of people don't understand what it takes to truly be happy. And, and I love what you said there. You're like, man, when I was out partying until 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, I could see in your eyes you you were saying in, in, in those that you watch this on video later on YouTube, you you could see in Chris's eyes because I saw it like, man, those weren't fun days for me. There were a lot of times that that wasn't fun. And you would think, okay, being around rock star personalities and people that have means and things like that, like, man, oh, that's the high life. And that's the, you know, like we were talking about earlier, our best life. And, you know, that's not, that's not it. It is, what I'm doing now and, and making a difference in people and helping other people succeed, that's the real value in life. And, and it's sad. It, it's kind of sad. Did you feel like in that moment that you were partying with those guys and living, did, did you ever think to yourself, man, you live a pretty sad life. If that's, if, if, if you've got everything and you're still not happy, you're living a sad existence. I don't know if I'd say sad. I think it, it really just dawned on me that we have the wrong values in place. We have the wrong definition of success in place. Because like that, that night I described, like that was literally three, four o'clock in the morning when everyone's passed out and you're sitting down with like one or two people talking and having a heart to heart. Like that's how the conversations went, I think almost every time. And so I, I just look at it and say, I think we got the wrong version of success in yeah. our minds right now it's consumerism instead of finding your quest or finding that life purpose and going all in on that because when i meet somebody like yourself who's on a life mission to impact people or whatever it is right then it's like you can feel the energy is different 
the the way you act and the things you do and how you invest in yourself and others is completely on a different level. And that to me is a truer form of happiness than having the high life and then waking up to a sea of bottles and random people and not knowing what the hell happened or who was even in yeah. your place. Well, and, and Chris, that's the thing is, is, and I use this, I use this acronym. Um, you know, you, you hear, you hear of, of, in the reality shows around repos, you know, people getting stuff repo repossessed. Yep. And I use the acronym repos, R-P-O-S, the relentless pursuit of stuff that people get caught up in. And I've been guilty of that too. I think as our income increases, we want a nicer house. We want a nicer car. We want, you know, our kids to go to a really good college, things like that. And I've gotten caught up in the relentless pursuit of stuff. Like, yeah, man, I, I'm going to go out here and, and spend time away from home because I want my family to have stuff. You know, I want my kids to wear, uh, I want my, my kids to wear LeBrons. You know, I, you know, I want my kid, you know, when my kid was in high school. I wanted him to have a nice pair of basketball shoes because I didn't want him to, I didn't want him to think his parents couldn't afford that or like, you know, Hey man, you know, that's not the way we roll. But what I was really doing and, and really, I mean, I love your transparency there because it makes you stop and think, okay, in those times, how important is the, is the repos? How, mm -hmm. how important is the relentless pursuit of stuff? And, and when you have that kind of money, man, you could buy what you want to buy. Like your commute, to your point, your commuter car is a, is a Mercedes Benz AMG, you know, and, and I, I, I can't fathom that, but I understand the thought process behind it because it's a relentless pursuit of stuff. Right. And like one thing I want to add, just clarify, it's like, I'm not criminalizing someone wanting a nice car. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. Don't make that your epicenter. Don't define your value. Your entire being should not be defined by the car in your driveway and the Rolex or lack thereof. And don't get me wrong. I love nice cars. I will continue to buy nice cars. But if you take away the nice cars, I'm still CVH, right? So my identity is not tied to my materialistic possessions. They're nice to have, but if you take it all away, I'm still a happy and content person. I think that's the balance that I hope the listeners are looking to strike, or if they're kind of off kilter, they're really asking themselves, take away the house, the clothes, and all that, you know, stuff. Who am I as a person, and am I still happy, yes or no? That's really that realization or crystallization that I think people should start with, because that lets you know, where are you on your journey? That's a good thing, man, because I am wearing a, um, a $10 maybe $15 Walmart Armatron watch. And I've got a 2006 Chevy Cobalt in the driveway with 166,000 miles and a check engine light that stays on. So, right. you know, it's, it, it, it is what it is. I want to pivot here for just a second and talk and, and tell your story because you, you've got an interest and I don't know all the layers of it. And that's why I wanted to have you on the podcast so that you could tell it in your words, the different layers and the growth that you've had and things like that. Take yeah. us from point A to point B, start as early back in your life as you want to go and tell your story of how you got from point A to point B to where you came from and where you are today. Yeah. I mean, 
I think I'll, I'll start elementary school because that's where a lot of the growth really happened. So elementary school, I used to get bullied uh, every single day, right? I wasn't one of the popular kids. I was the one that got picked on like every single freaking day. And that's a real hard thing to do because that elementary time frame up through high school, that's where you hold on to the trauma for the rest of your life. And you literally spend your adult life trying to undo your childhood traumas, right? So I went through a lot of that time, really dark times. Like I had to face like depression and went through suicide, like the whole gamut, right? And I think for me, I had a defining point where it literally just came to this, where it's like, if life can be this bad, then it has to balance out and be this good. Like, that's what I really thought. And I'm like, if I'm wrong, then I'm frankly just going to go kill myself because I don't see a point in living, right? If it's just this bad and there is no good to counterbalance, yin and yang do not exist in this world, and I don't see a point. So after I hit kind of that defining moment to go on a quest of, like, how good can life get, it really transformed my mindset. You know, I, I was helping out a lot of friends that were going through tough times as well because I know what it's like to go by, you know, to go at it yourself. Like, I didn't open up to anybody, uh, no therapy, no drugs, no nothing. Like, I was stubborn, man. It's just all sheer will. And then after that, I, I realized, like, how beautiful life can be. And, you know, I lost a couple people really close to me at young ages. And that just reminded me, like, you know, if you want to tell someone something, pick up the phone right now. Stop listening. Pick up the phone and say what you need to say. Because I had people get taken from me the next day. And I'm like, I didn't get to tell them that thing because I was afraid and it wasn't the right time and all that. I started valuing time a lot more. I started valuing experiences with other people a lot more. And now like what's crystallized for me is it's the time that I spend with people that I love. And that's like beyond just my family, right? And it's the impact that I can make in other people's lives. How deeply can I impact someone in a positive way? And can I create that ripple effect to outlast my physical form? Like that's my mission in life. I'm just really trying to create as many ripples as I can to leave this world a little bit better than when I came into it. And hope that it's worthy enough that other people want to, you know, take that torch for me when I'm dead and carry it on. Chris, when when you think about you being a young man and having those thoughts go through your head from bullying, and I was bullied too because mm -hmm. I was I was a chubby kid. I was I was a fat kid. I wore glasses. I was a fat kid, mm -hmm. and um, you know, I'm just a uh, you know built like an NFL tight end. You know, now I just don't care. You know. But you think about that time in your life, what would, what would CVH now go back and tell your younger self that was thinking those things because you've had a level of success. You've put yourself mm -hmm. from, through hard work and determination into a position you are now. What would you go and tell yourself? I would tell myself that the world is bigger than just your pain in this moment. Like, I know it hurts a lot right now and you can't sleep and you got, you know, nightmares and things like that and you're constantly in fear. But believe me, man, it can always get worse. And I know you're very focused on yourself, but there's a lot of other people out there that are hurting just like you. You're not special with this pain, right? So seek out other people. There's no need for you to go be this lone wolf and try to do it all yourself because you think that's what a strong man's supposed to do. You know, the, the sign of strength is asking for help to be very mm -hmm. frank. And what I would also say is, remember that this too shall pass, the good, the bad, everything, man, we all die at some point. This doesn't go on into perpetuity. So I know right now it feels like it's never gonna end, but it's going to end at some point. So how do you want that story to end? Because you're choosing 
that journey and that path every single day. So you can choose differently at any moment if you want to, right? That choice is always yours. No one can take that from you. And lastly, remember that for another person to hurt you, they have to be hurting pretty badly too. Because I've yet to meet a happy person that is like just digging into somebody for no reason. Yeah. So have that empathy that their life might be pretty bad. Maybe their parents are beating on them every single night. I mean, like I had friends that were in that scenario, right? So have that empathy that their life could be pretty bad and they're just like, they don't know what else to do. So they're lashing out and you're just a convenient target. Yeah, because again, you know, people that, that are really self-aware and people that are really doing and living in their purpose, they're not blasting other people, man. They're, they're focused on getting the ball down the field. They're focused on their goals, their ambitions, what they want to do, what they want to accomplish, who they yeah. are, what they want to become. And it's those people that, that, you know, jealousy is a terrible thing. That's, that's what leads to a lot of bullying is, is guys are just jealous. They're like, well, yeah, you know, I'm going to pick on you because my life sucks, you know, yeah. in, in comparison. Take me through your, your college years. You, you haven't always been in sales and, and marketing and things like that. You kind of took a different path in life initially. Um, uh -huh. what, what was college like for you? I mean, college was a blast, man. I had fun. I did community college for two and a half years, worked as a server in the restaurant industry. So I was doing the crazy, you know, work till two o'clock in the morning, closing out TGI Fridays, go to school, take 15 units. I mean, college was fun. Then I transferred to the University of San Diego, went even crazier, uh, 15 units, an internship, working the restaurants and like 10 networking events a week. Like I blasted school hard, just dove in and deep personal journeys, um, was focusing on my business administration degree, emphasis in finance and negotiations, because I figured if all else fails, if I understand money and how to talk, I will figure it out. Like, that was literally all I had. Okay, so I've got to ask, I've got to ask a, a question here. Yeah. So, I, so you, you are an alum of the University of San Diego. Yep. Okay, there is a difference between the University of San Diego and San Diego State. Is there a rivalry between USD and San Diego State? Uh, I don't think it's like, it's not like a normal rivalry between the schools because you got San Diego State, University of San Diego, and then, or University of San Diego, um, so CSU, and then you have um, USD. So it's three different colleges all within 10 miles of each other. Um, but not huge rivalry between them, ironically. Did you did you grow up in the San Diego area? Is that where you grew up in? And was that just the school that was close to home for you? Or how did you end up deciding to go to USD? Yes, I grew up in San Francisco and then Sacramento. And super simple. When I was in Sac, I'm like, I just got to leave this place. <laughs> very, very low bar. Like, give me a big city next to like a body of water. And I don't really care about the rest. So when I got onto the, to the campus, did my walkthrough I was like this is the one and literally is my top pick they said yes and I was like cool and you weren't Kevin Johnson you weren't dying to come back and be mayor of Sacramento or anything like that right no 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 not I mean I love SAC I think it's a great place to raise your kids but after that you gotta leave at least for my goals and what I want to do too small of a town so you end up going to USD and you you get your your finance degree is that what you ended up majoring in 
business admin, but then just emphasis in finance and negotiations. What was it that, what was it at that point in your life that drew you to go that way? Because that's not ultimately where you ended up. And I know guys that, that got degrees and other things that ended up in sales and becoming wildly successful in sales, you know, but they, uh, I, I knew guys that I worked with in selling that had education degrees. And they were like, man, I can make more money selling, I can make more money selling food than I can teaching, teaching high school or something like that. Right. For you, what was it that drew you to business admin? Did you just know that you wanted to do something in the business arena or was it, what, was there something else that kind of pulled you into that? You know, funny when I was always thinking about my career, it's just like, I just want to be a businessman. I had no clue what the hell that actually meant, <laughs> but I was like, I'm just going to be a businessman. And since I don't know hey, dude, what I Most people do, don't, most people don't. They just kind of, you know, it's like the old adage we say here, you, you fall into it and you come out smelling like a rose. Right. So it was just give me a business admin degree, but then I was like, you need to specialize in something, right? And I wanted to be an investment banker. So I was like, all right, two things I need to learn are money and how to talk. And so I was just like, with that in mind, let's go. And that's literally, you know, the goal. And I didn't even get into investment banking because it doesn't work well in San Diego. It's too small of a town. You need to be in bigger financial cities like San Francisco and New York. So I got into financial planning and analysis. And then I looked at myself and I'm like, I can't do that for 40 years. But what do I like to do? I'm like, I love psychology. I love learning about other companies. I love helping folks. I'm like, well, Everyone kept saying that I was in sales the entire time. Let's give that a shot. And then I chose sales and now I'm just like, hell yeah, man, you couldn't pay me to go back to finance. I don't care about the money. Well, Chris, and that's the thing too. Do you feel like that, that you left San Francisco and Sacramento and came back different when you, when you finally came back to the area that you grew up in and with in San Francisco, like you mentioned, San Francisco and Sacramento, when you went away to college and you came back, how different of a guy were you when you, when you finally came back home? I mean, huge. Like, I feel like I, I changed pretty rapidly. So just who I was three months ago is different than who I am today. So two years of college and deep personal development. I mean, I took MBA courses for no credit because they were about leadership. Like, I just dove in as hard as I could. So when I came back, like, completely different person for the better because I'm constantly looking for ways to change my systems and level myself up. I'm constantly looking for how am I, you know, falling short or what am I doing to self-sabotage, figuring out that and fixing it. So it's like, in my mind, it's just a, a never-ending process of leveling up. Because I love what you said there, because a lot of people, when they think of leveling up, they go, okay, well, yeah, I think leveling up means getting more training, more, more external development. And they really don't consider the fact that leveling up is more about internal development than it is external development. Like you can take the external forces and it can help you. And, and I look at it like, like bodybuilding or weightlifting. The external weights that you lift are going to develop the muscles that you get, but it has to start internally. Mm -hmm. Like if you don't start internally and you don't, you know, if your muscles break down, it doesn't matter how much weight you lift, you're not gonna, you're not gonna get stronger because your muscle is weak. If you don't develop that internally, you're not, you're not gonna get where you want to go. And, and I love what you said there. And I want to park on that for just a minute because 
what I heard in what you said was it was about my internal development first and foremost. I had to develop myself internally before I could ever get there externally. Expound on that a little bit for folks that are, that are sitting there thinking they're listening to our conversation and they're going, okay, guys, it's great. You know what you're doing, but how do I develop internally to, to level up like I want to level up to? Yeah, I mean, to be blunt, I didn't like who I saw in the mirror. Like, that, there's the catalyst. I looked at who I saw. I didn't like this person. There's a lot of demons I was holding on to. There was just negative, you know, mindsets that I had. And, and I'm like, man, like, I don't like who I see. So the only way to change that is to change what's inside. So it really started coming down to like, okay, well, what don't I like about myself? I'm like, well, I go in these negative spirals. Okay, then root cause analysis, what's causing them? Well, like I believe that I was a victim. Okay, well, are you truly the victim? Most times you're not. So instead of me playing this victim mentality, I started looking at it as an accountability mentality. What did I do to lead to these outcomes? Whether it's in like a relationship, you know, dating some girl and the relationship went sideways or I'm having a fight with a friend or, you know, I'm not progressing as far as I want in my career or my bank account isn't at a certain dollar value, like whatever the external pieces are, it always traces back to your internal game. Are you making the investment? Are you self-sabotaging? Are you doing things that are turning off other people, right? Because you are the biggest factor in your life. So if you want to change, you need to look at yourself. You need to look at every action and thought that you're having and really start mapping that out and saying, is this building me up or tearing me down? Because there's only two ways to go. There's no middle ground there. And once you start doing that and take just a slice of your life, like don't be overwhelmed to try to do the whole thing. Like take a piece of your life and just start working on it. And then that's going to start creating that ripple effect. And you just do the process to your entire part of your life. And before you know it, you're like, damn, I'm a new person now because yeah. you started working internally. I'm not going to ask you this question because I think it's a generic question. And so I'm going to ask it this way. Okay. What do you love about what sales does for other people? Because the interest, the, the question could be, I could say, well, well, CDH, what do you love about sales? That's a generic mm -hmm. question. Sure. What do you love most about what sales does for other people? It unlocks opportunity that they didn't know that existed. And whether that's getting your promotion, whether that's being able to reach a different level of productivity or break into a new market you can never do, like it just unlocks your potential when done well. And that's what I love. Like I love being able to talk to people and before they couldn't do something, they were frustrated and now they're like excited, right? Like to me, it's so rewarding because I know I had a hand in that development and that's what I absolutely love. So for me, it's, it's unlocking people's potentials. What is the biggest thing you've had to overcome in your personal life or, or your, your professional life? And what was the lesson you learned from it? Because again, I think everybody, what I hope we do on this podcast is to connect people with the guests that are on this program, Chris, and that, and, and, Everybody struggles with something, but what, what have you, what's the, what's the biggest thing that you overcame in your life? How did you overcome it? I mean, first answer is myself. I think it's, it's ego. 
right? I picked up a lot of bad habits at a young age. I didn't know better. And I didn't have different foundations to work with. It's just what got encoded to me as a younger person, right? And then once I found out and learned a little more and learned that there's other ways to go about it, I had to break those rules in me and unlearn things and then recode myself with better philosophies, foundations, and principles so I could achieve whatever I want. Like when people say like, you can be whatever you want, that's great. But if you don't have that mindset of that grit and that perseverance in the face of adversity and failure, you're never going to get it. I'm just going to be frank because people aren't going to stick it out. They just, they're not going to put in the time and work because it's a lot of pain and we like to avoid pain. But when you have that, again, you come back to your quest, you got your quest in mind. The pain is temporary. Yeah. And so you push through it. So I think the biggest thing I'd overcome was just myself and, and those rules that I put on myself. Following up on that and, and last question for you, man, and I've enjoyed our conversation because I appreciate how real and transparent you've been. Thank you for doing that. Of course. What's your biggest piece of intentional encouragement for folks that are listening to this saying, man, CBH, I, you know, I, I want to get better. I don't like the guy or gal I see in the mirror either. What's your biggest piece of intentional encouragement to help those folks get to that, that leveling up that you talked about? Yeah, it's going to be two part. First one, just take the first step, baby steps. Stop trying to look at this like it's a sprint and it's a hundred meter dash. Like it's a lifelong marathon. And the only way you're going to get started is just put one foot in front of the other. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care how fast you're moving, but you need to move forward. And then the second piece that comes up with that is when you hit adversity and you want to give up, this is what I tell myself. At this juncture, this is when everyone else gives up, right? It's hard. It's uncomfortable. I'm exhausted. My soul's crushed. You got to go deeper. There's another gear there. There's another level there. I guarantee you're not at 100% output. I'm not even at 100% output. I'm still trying to get to 100% output. So every time you're telling yourself you're giving up, you're not. Like you got to find that next gear and just say, I'm going to figure this out. Find that next level. Whatever you got to do to motivate yourself. Look at how far you've come. Tell yourself that, am I really going to fail in this one moment? I've spent X amount of years doing it or X amount of time investment. Whatever it is you got to get, you know, get yourself revved up on. But you got to keep going. Like You just can't stop. Man, that's what a great way to to end this conversation. I I. I can't add any more to it. That was so good, man. Um, Chris Von Heuen, tell folks how they can get connected with you. And I, I know you're on LinkedIn a bunch, but yep. where else can folks get a hold of you and connect with you? Yeah, LinkedIn, I'm the most active there. Um, Twitter, got a YouTube channel as well. So those are the three like social media platforms. And it's super simple. You just search Chris Von Heuen. So last name's V-O-N space H-U-E-N-E. And I pop up in Google searches pretty quick, pretty, you know, easily. I Google myself. Um, yeah, yeah, you should. Just, you, yeah. Yeah, you should. Uh, but yeah, just reach out, man. Like I, I love connecting with people. and I love hearing their stories. And if there's any way I can support others, then don't hesitate to reach out. Chris Von and man, I've enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for being with us today on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Meads. And the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ who provides intentional encouragement every day 
is war. And until next time, remember, every war, everywhere, at any time, and any place, can be an intention.